Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. All right, so um, that's one of my favorite clips to show every uh, Christmas season at Refuel. And um, I was always kind of wondering, should I show that clip or not? Because like, I don't know if that's like a good movie to talk about at church. But then if you were here on Sunday morning, Pastor Lemming talked about this movie for like five minutes and almost quoted it word for word. So I was like, I have the special blessing to reference this movie and continue referencing it every year. So I don't know if you've seen that movie or not. Who can tell me what movie that was? Christmas Vacation. And if you know anything about this movie, just to fill you in, if you've never seen it before, Clark Griswold is like trying to be the all-American dad. And he's trying, hey, uh, can we turn the, the fog down now? I just realized it's starting to look like a pool hall in here. Um, um, Clark Griswold's trying to be the all-American dad, right? And he's trying to have the perfect Christmas. So he goes like above and beyond to set up all these Christmas lights. I've heard Jason Lingenfelter's trying to like do the same thing and he's almost there. He's almost there. But Clark sets up all these Christmas lights and he tries to have this perfect family Christmas, but his family is, is cra- full of crazy people. Anybody else like that. His family's full of crazy people. And then his tree that he got has a squirrel in it. The squirrel jumps on to like grandma and everybody freaks out, destroys the whole house. And Clark is in kind of a situation. Have you ever had, maybe not that intense, but have you ever had a Christmas or a Thanksgiving or a 4th of July and it, at, at home it just didn't go according to plan? Like everything that could go wrong went wrong. Clark was in a situation during Christmas. Are you in a situation this Christmas? Uh, Maybe it doesn't involve a squirrel jumping on a grandmother. Uh, But your situation is is actually not comical. It's it's serious. Um, I know I've been talking to some of you who your family's going through a lot has gone through or is going through a lot of changes this year. I know some of you who are dealing with like having a Christmas where it's the first Christmas or maybe the second Christmas where your mom and dad aren't together. And you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to be celebrating Christmas at my mom's and then celebrating Christmas with my dad. And I hope I don't spend so much time with my mom that my dad gets mad or spend so much time with my dad that my mom gets mad. And some of you are going through Christmas for the first time without someone you love. And you think about all the Christmas memories that you made with that person that you love and they're no longer there anymore. Some of you are, <laughs> you got finals coming up, right? Is it Friday? The finals start Friday. And, um, and you got finals coming up and you're great, you're looking down the barrel of some grades that just are not going to work. And you're feeling that pressure. Some of you are going through like friendship drama, relationship drama. Anybody know of any drama going on in the world? Yep. Okay. Guys, you can raise your hands too. Okay. Um, so we're, I think we could all say we find ourselves in some kind of situation during Christmas. And one of, the, one of the challenges when you find yourself in a situation and you're singing these Christmas songs that are praise songs to God, you think, how can I really sing these praise songs to God when I'm going through this situation? How can I praise God during this thing that I'm going through? And tonight we're going to be back in the story of Mary. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to be back in the story of Mary. And what we're going to learn is that Mary was in a situation too. We talked about it last week. But Mary was in a situation too. And we're doing this series called Slaying It. 
And the idea behind this series is Mary had some really good habits. She had some really good things that she did all the time. And over the next few weeks, we did last week, we're doing it this week, and we're going to do two more weeks. We're looking through some of these habits that Mary had, these spiritual habits, and we're going to learn how we can make them happen in our lives so that we can be slaying it spiritually. And tonight we're going to be talking about the habit of praise and through Mary we're going to learn this. To boil it all down it's this. In every situation there's a reason to praise God. So for a moment here um, I just want you to stop and we're going to pray before. Sometimes we pray after we read the scripture but I want to pray before we read the scripture. So if you'll bow your head and close your eyes um, and um, in this moment here I know this is kind of one of those hype nights where we're all excited to be here. But I believe that you're not here by accident, and I'm not here by accident, and the passage in God's Word is, is not where we are by accident. And what I want you to do for the next, just the next moment, just you and God, is I'm going to give you a moment before I pray out loud. Whatever situation you're in, when I was talking about your situation, whatever you're going through right now, I want you to ask God that he would speak to that situation in your life through his word tonight. Will you do that? Go ahead and do that right now, quietly in your heart. Now let me pray for you out loud and then we're gonna dig into God's word. Lord, thank you so much for this time that we have. It's a busy season. There's a lot of school stuff hanging over people's heads. I know there are people that are going through some tough situations, even just from what I've heard shared tonight. There's, there's a lot going on. We're concerned for family and friends and, and, and we, we feel the weight of this sin-cursed world bearing down on us. But God, I pray that tonight when we leave, we'll be able to know that there's a reason to praise you and we'll be able to work those reasons and work that habit of praise into our life tonight. So I pray that you'll specifically, you'll bless your word as, it's, as we read about it, as we read it and we talk about it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, big news. Big news was dropped on Mary last week. Can anybody tell me what the big news was? Mary was a virgin we, we, learned what that, we learned what that meant last week. She had never been with a man and an angel visits her and says, you're gonna become pregnant with God's son. Mary was likely a teenager, probably between the ages that are represented in this room tonight. And faced with this choice, is Mary going to go with what God has for her or is she gonna back away from God's plan for her life? She says, I'm the Lord's servant. That's where we left off. We can go back and look. This is what we worked through. You can see on the screen, this is what we worked through last week. We're back in Luke, but we're in verse 39 tonight. And what do we know about Luke? Who was it written by? Luke. Luke wrote another book of the Bible. What did he write? Acts. What's so interesting about Luke? He's a doctor, so what does that tell us about him? He's a detail guy. He's interested in facts and history and even when Luke writes about when Jesus was crucified, he goes into all kinds of medical detail about it. But Luke is concerned that you know that this is real history. So let's read. We're going to read like section by section. And we're going to kind of look at what is going on with Mary's life. So let's start. It says, in those days, well, we've got to stop there. In those days, what is Luke is a detail guy, right? And you can follow all the way back to the beginning of the chapter of chapter one. Luke wants you to know that this happened during this specific time. In those days, 
Let me change my color up already. Mary arose and went with haste. So she arose and went. Oh. It says she arose and went. And how did she go? With haste. What in the world does haste mean? What does haste mean? It means you're busting it. It means you're going as fast as you can. It's like, I got to get out of here now. She went with haste. When you read in Luke chapter 2 about the shepherds, you know, the angels visit the shepherds and they, they go find the baby Jesus, it says they went with haste. They're thinking, we got to go find this baby. Mary went with haste, where? Into the hill country to a town in Judah. Well, here's something interesting. It's in Judah. Anybody know where Mary lived? Somebody said it. Galilee, Nazareth. That was in the northern part of Israel. She went down to the hill country of Judah, which was in the southern part of Israel. It probably would have been a three to four day journey. So it's not like she like got in the uh, 2003 Nissan Sentra. Right, Riley? Ultima. It's not like she got in her 2003 Nissan Ultima and just drove down the road to her, um, her cousin's house. She went on a four-day by-foot journey. It's likely, the way the culture was back then and how dangerous it was to travel on foot, it's likely Mary would have had people traveling with her to escort her there because there were, there were like bandits and robbers and just evil people that would hide and wait to, like, to, to rob and hurt people who were traveling by themselves. But Mary, she didn't think about it. She went with haste. Why would she go with haste and get out of town? Why would she do that? Because she was a teen, she wasn't married, and she was pregnant. If you kind of read between the lines here, there, there's probably a good chance that her family told her, you need to leave town. Years ago, there used to be a big stigma. You know what I mean by stigma? People used to look down on teen girls who would become pregnant. And a lot of times their family, when they found out that she was pregnant, would send them out of town until they, she had her baby. And then they'd bring her back because they didn't want her to face like the, the social like, like hate of being pregnant and a teen and unmarried. And that's probably what was happening with Mary here. Her family's like, you got to get out of town. People are going to start talking. And what we learn, if you go and read Matthew chapter 1, is she probably didn't get out of town before Joseph realized, my fiance, my, my betrothed, the one who I'm pledged to be married to, is pregnant. And we learn in, in Luke chapter 1, Joseph, her kind of fiance, but not exactly her fiance, it was more than a fiance, he is wrestling with, what do I do? The Jewish law said that she could be put to death for committing adultery for quote-unquote cheating on her to-be husband. But Joseph was working all this around in his mind and he was thinking about instead of having her put to death, which is pretty intense, right? Having, just divorcing her privately because he was a compassionate person. So all this is going on. Mary does not know how this situation is gonna end up. She could end up being a single teen mom, couldn't she? She has no idea. So as she's going with haste, to this hill country to enter the house of Zechariah and greeting Elizabeth. That was her cousin. Anybody have a cousin? Go-to cousin? Elizabeth was a whole lot older than, than Mary was. 
It says, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, let's just start reading along here, the baby, what baby? Well, Elizabeth was pregnant with a baby too. In her old age, God miraculously made it happen. The baby leapt in her womb. So we know that the baby was John the Baptist. So when Mary walks into Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth, she got a six-month-old pregnant belly. She's starting to show. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, this baby starts playing patty cake with Elizabeth's pancreas. Moms know how this feels. This baby just starts jumping and leaping. Why? Because Mary was there with a baby in her belly, and it wasn't an ordinary baby. It was the Son of God. So the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you to marry among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, with the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy and played patty cake with my pancreas. That's in the original Greek. And blessed is she who believed there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. We're going to read more, but we're going to pause there. Because there are three things that we can learn from Mary that have to do with praising God. Remember how the big point was in every situation we can praise God? We can learn from three things about Mary. And the first thing that we learn about Mary, we can learn from her situation. We've already talked about it a little bit. She made a trip. It was a fast trip. It was a 50 to 70 mile trip on foot would have taken three to four days. You know, most people, when they found out Mary was pregnant, would not have believed, would not have believed her. Isn't it sad that 2,000 years later, people still don't believe women when women tell them things? Well, 2,000 years, imagine 2,000 years in reverse. And Mary says, the Lord visited me, and I became pregnant with the Son of God. And everybody's like, She was trying to escape what was going on around her. But if there's one person who could understand that God could do anything, including make somebody get pregnant, who would it be? It'd be her cousin Elizabeth, who was like this geriatric old lady who had been trying for years and years and years to have kids, and her husband, she and her husband, they gave up. They said, it ain't gonna happen. You know, something's not right with the plumbing. It ain't working. And all of a sudden, at her old age, Elizabeth gets pregnant. So if anybody could understand what Mary was going through, it would be Elizabeth, wouldn't it? So Mary makes this trip down to Elizabeth. Mary was probably six months pregnant when Mary got pregnant. Mary stayed with her, we learn in verse 56, for three months. So she's there for a long time. And all this time, in Mary's mind, she's wondering, what are people saying about me back home? Have you ever been the, you knew that you were the subject of conversation among people, they were talking about you? How does that feel, right? She's, what are people saying to me back home? What is Joseph gonna decide to do? When I go back to Nazareth, I could face the death penalty. I could face a very public divorce or maybe a private divorce. I gotta face my family again and half of them don't believe me. That was her situation. But what's really incredible about her situation 
was that she still praised God. You're gonna see later here in this passage, Mary gives this big, long, almost song of praise to God, even though she's going through one of the most difficult times of her life. So the first thing that we can learn about praise is we can learn from Mary's situation. We can learn that even in one of the most difficult situations you could ever be in, it's still possible to praise God. So that's good news for me, and that's good news for you. If you're in a difficult situation, maybe you, you, people are talking about you, maybe you're missing a family member, maybe there's family stuff going on in your, your life that is just so dif difficult and discouraging, you can learn from Mary in the sense that there's a way that you're going to be able to praise God at the end of the night, no matter what's going on. So we can learn from Mary's situation. We can also learn from Mary's confirmation. Mary meets with Elizabeth. And there's something that's special about Elizabeth. And we kind of talked about it a little bit already. She could have been, she was sympathetic toward Mary. This whole thing, one thing that's interesting is the, the word womb is mentioned three times here. So there's a whole lot of birth, birth talk, baby talk going on, pregnancy talk going on. You know what you call twins? Womb mates. You get it? Sorry. I was just trying to lighten the mood a little bit. Xavier really liked that one. He really liked that one. But do you, do you see what's going on? You've got six, six month pregnant lady who's an old lady. You've got freshly pregnant teen mom. Can you be fresh? I guess you can be freshly pregnant. Freshly pregnant teen mom Mary who walks in the house. Elizabeth's baby goes ham wild like kicking her and you know, moving around. Elizabeth gets excited and says, Mary, did you know you have the Son of God in your belly? And Mary's like, yeah, the angel told me. And there's this exciting thing going on. And all, this, all of a sudden, instead of, instead of Mary's mind going back to all of those things that are happening back home and the, the situation that's bearing down on her, Elizabeth points her back to what God is doing in her life. Do you uh, ever need someone in your life to point you back to what God's doing in your life? Do you have someone like that in your life? Maybe it's somebody older than you that you can go to. Maybe it's someone that's, the, that's like your age, it's your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ, you know, your bros and your bras. And, and, and there are times when you, your eyes are just so off God and you're so worried about what's going on or you're so frustrated with people and they take you and they say, Judah, God's still working in your life. You're on the front row, I gotta pick on you now, Judah. God's still working in your life. Look at what Elizabeth said to Mary. This is a word of encouragement. She said, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Elizabeth lifts Mary up and confirms that God's still working in her life through a really interesting way, right? Through a baby kicking. You know, it actually says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And one thing we know is the Holy Spirit didn't indwell people yet. The whole, we live in a time where we're in the church age where God, anyone who trusts in God, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside them. This was not that time yet. The Holy Spirit chose to move through Elizabeth. So our, I kind of wrote down Elizabeth was four things that you look for in someone to be a mentor. And they're all S words. She was sympathetic towards Mary. She was spirit filled. God was working in her life. She was stoked. You know what that means? Excited. She was excited about God, what God was doing in Mary's life. We need people who were excited for us. And finally, she was selfless. You know, I mean, Elizabeth had a pretty cool story too. 
I mean, she was like, she was like eating prenatal vitamins and washing it down with Ensure. Like, like, like she was this, this old lady who God worked a miracle in her life. And if, you know, if, if, you know, I mean, I couldn't be Elizabeth because I'm not a woman and I can't get pregnant. But like, like, like if I was Elizabeth, I'd be like writing a book, like pregnancy and old age and how I achieved it. You know, I'd be going on the Today Show and I'd be, you know, I'd set up a whole Instagram account to document my journey of, of birthing at, at 60 years old. But what does Elizabeth do? She puts all the focus on what God's doing in Mary's life. She was selfless. So do you have someone like that in your life who's sympathetic, who's spirit-filled, they're walking with God, who's stoked, they're excited for what God's doing in their life, and they're selfless. They're not an attention hog. We can learn a lot from Mary's confirmation. And by, there's a, there's, a, there's a whole other thing here that we need to look at too. You have a baby that leaps for joy that's yet to be born. What does that tell us about babies who are yet to be born? That they're people that can experience emotion that are made in the image of God, lives that are precious in God's eyes that should never be taken. Did you know that an entire generation of you never got to breathe a breath? Because in the place that should have been safest for them, a mother's womb, their life was taken. There's something we can learn here that really doesn't have anything to do about praise, but it has everything about life that God creates. So we can learn a lot about praise from Mary's confirmation. And here's kind of the biggie. We can learn a lot from praise by Mary's adoration. Now here's the song. I don't, Mary may not be singing. We don't know that she's singing. She could have been rapping. I don't know. You know, the guys on our mission trip last year, they kind of started this thing where like they kind of start rapping. And after one line, everybody goes, yeah. And I almost thought it'd be cool to read this that way. Jason, what do you, Jason's usually the ringleader behind this. Should we try it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Yeah. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Yeah. He's looked at the humble estate of his servant. Yeah. For behold, from now all generations will call me blessed. Yeah. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Yeah. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Yeah. He's shown strength with his arm and he's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Yeah. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Yeah. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. Yeah. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Yeah. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Yeah. Okay, that was good. Um, so, <laughs> so can you, can, do you see, doing it that way, do you kind of see the excitement that Mary would have been saying this with? Do you, do you feel it? Do you see it? She was excited. And this is her praise chorus during the most difficult, had to have been the most difficult time of her life and she praises God. So here's where we really learn a lot about how we can praise God. Let's look at how Mary adored, how she praised God. The first thing that we learn is that Mary praised God with her soul. She praised God with her soul. What does she say here? She said, my 
soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Did you know that humans, everybody here human, if you're human, raise your hand, okay? If you, you, if you're, yeah, I know we have some aliens. I know we have some like robot artificial intelligence people. But every human is made up of three parts. Does anybody know what every human is made up of? Not Mountain Dew. Okay, I heard flesh, body. One more. You got body? Soul and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. The, your body is the way that you interact with the world around you, right? Your sight, sound, taste, smell, uh, all of those senses. Your body's how you interact with the world around you. Your soul, anybody know what your soul is? It's that ongoing conversation in your head. I've asked this before, see if you remember. Who do you talk to the most in your life? Somebody said it. Somebody actually, who do you talk to the most in your life? Yourself. Do you realize that? That, how many of y'all, you have long conversations with yourself in your head. You can admit it. Like, there's an ongoing narrative that you have going on in your head. That's your soul. That's your self-awareness. When Jesus says, love the Lord with all your God, with all your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, it's your soul. And she said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and then my spirit, your spirit is your, is, is your God-awareness. The soul is kind of like the middle ground in spiritual warfare. Did you know that? And did you know that your soul, first off, lives forever, but did you know that your soul is something that you need to direct? That ongoing conversation in your head, you need to direct it to the right place. I didn't know if you'd agree with me, so I brought some receipts. You want to see the receipts? I got some receipts. Here's some receipts. A lot of them come from Psalm. Psalm 42 and 43, this same phrase is mentioned three times. David says this, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? He says, hope in God. He's telling the conversation in his head to hope in God because he's really depressed. He's directing his soul. Psalm 103, 1 through 2, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Because his soul is starting to wander away from praising God and blessing God. So David says, hey, soul, bless God. He's directing his soul. Psalm 116, he says, return my soul to your rest. The Lord's dealt bountifully with you. David is dealing with the anxious thoughts, the anxiety, the overwhelmingness. And David says, ah, soul, Return to the rest that God has. In the words of somebody else, you need to calm down. My soul. Psalm 146. This wasn't David. It was one of the other psalmists wrote this. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And this is one of my favorites for all you ladies out there. I don't know if you've ever heard people talk about, oh, you need to be a biblical woman. Here's something you need to remember. Biblical womanhood also can include something up to driving a railroad tie through the head of a jerk guy. Have you ever heard the story? We don't have time for it. You got to look it up now. It, it, <laughs> there, 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 was a, there was a king, there was a military leader who was a guy who was the biggest pansy in the world. So God raises up a female judge named Deborah to lead the Israel army out and kick some butt. And then another girl finds the leader of the enemy army in a tent sleeping. So she takes his big tent peg with a hammer and she drives it through his skull into the ground. Judges chapter five. You need to read that, girls. But listen, after that all happened, Deborah's talking to her soul 
And this is so awesome. She says this, march on, oh my soul, with might. Isn't that awesome? You girls need to write that verse down. But here's what we need to learn. Our soul needs to be directed. Our soul needs to be directed. And what's Mary doing here? She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. She wasn't going to let her mind dwell on the things that she couldn't control. She was going to let her mind dwell on how great God was. So part of Mary's adoration is that she directed her soul to who God was. And she praised God for who he is. What does she say here? She says, my soul magnifies. She calls him Lord. She calls him Savior. Verse 49, she says that he's mighty. Verse 49, she also says holy is his name. Verse 50, she talks about how awesome his mercy is. She talks about in verse 51, his strength. Again, in verse 54, she talks about his mercy. Part of what we can do when life isn't going the way we want God is still who he is and we can praise God for that. But that's not where she stops. She praises God for what he did for her. Look at verse 47. She says, my spirit rejoices in God, my who? My savior. Whose savior? She said, my savior. He wasn't just savior of this person. He was Mary's personal savior. Here's the thing you need to know about Mary. She was just like me and she was just like you other than the fact that she carried God's son. But she was just like me and she was just like you and that she had a sin nature and she was like everyone who ever lived. She needed someone to save her. And she read from all those prophets who wrote 400 years ago, 500 years ago, 600 years ago that there would be a savior coming. And now the savior was in her belly. And she's rejoicing the fact that God was getting ready to do something incredible. He's getting ready to make a way for everyone to be able to have life that starts now and lasts forever. That baby that she gave birth to was the son of God, lived a perfect life. He died on a cross in our place, took my sin on the cross and he took your sin on the cross so that anyone who believes in Jesus can have their sins forgiven and have eternal life. Not only did he do that for, it says my savior, he has done, verse 49, great things for me that God chose to work through her. What has God done for you that you can praise him for? She praised God for what he did to others. We're gonna kind of move more quickly through this. She's talking about how God is a God of justice. She says in verse 51, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud, but he's brought down the mighty, but he's exalted those of humble estate. God is doing things not just in your life, but he's doing things in others' life. And sometimes I look at y'all like I was at FCA the other day and I was listening to a student give an incredible lesson on Ephesians chapter one. And I saw students with their Bibles open during lunch break, encouraging each other. And I just thought, isn't that incredible that God's working through some of y'all in that specific way? And I praised God for it. We can praise, even though I was kind of having a rough day yesterday too, but I could praise God for what he was doing in your lives. And finally, he, she praised God for what he promised to do. Verses 54 and 55, he's, she's talking about promises that God made to Israel so many hundreds of years ago that were starting to become fulfilled because Jesus would have been born. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. All that to say, in every situation, there's a reason to praise God. The question is, will you praise God tonight? I tried to make these F words, these application points, but they're M words. We're doing it in honor of Mary.
So if you remember, starting last week, I said we're going to do, um, yeah, every time we do the application, we're going to try to get reps with Mary. Because one of the things, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're in a sport, or if you like, maybe you're in the arts, you dance or whatever, how do, you, how do you get better at dancing? How do you get better at ballet? You go to practice every stinking time the doors are open. If we want to get better at praising, we've got to get some reps with Mary. Remember I told you all, I said, if somebody could do, like, use their AI to put together a picture of Mary doing a deadlift, one of y'all came through for me. It was Riley Thacker. So here's what he, uh, here's what he put together. <laughs> so... As you can see, I kind of to, had to strategically place the title. Um, but tonight, for the next couple minutes, we're going to get some reps together with Mary. If you, if, if you want to get some praise reps, if you want to make praise a central part of your everyday, start getting some reps with these five M words. The first is manage. Pastor did just an incredible job on Sunday about this. So I'm not going to talk about it much. We have to manage our unrealistic expectations. I don't know where along the lines we got this idea that because we're following Jesus, life's going to be easy. It ain't, the, it, ain't, it ain't happening. Mary was one of the greatest servants of God ever, and she finds herself in, in a mess, Right? We could go through all the biblical characters and what we realize is God doesn't promise that we're going to be healthy. He doesn't promise that we're going to be wealthy. But what he does promise is that following Jesus in the end is worth it. So we have to manage those unrealistic expectations. Don't be surprised that life's still challenging even if you're following Jesus. You'll never have a vibrant life of praise if you're expecting something that ain't going to happen. The second M word is that we need, we need mentors. You need to find a mentor that puts your focus back on God. Just like Mary had an Elizabeth, you need an Elizabeth. Maybe the name of that person is not Elizabeth. But do you have someone that when life is just messed up and you're so disoriented, you can go to and find direction? You need a mentor. Part of what we have here at Refuel is we want you to find people your age that can point you back to Jesus and people that are one or two life steps ahead of you, a little bit older than you, that can point you back to Jesus. Do you have those people in your life? Do you have an Elizabeth in your life? The the next one is mental. (laughs) Some Some are like, I need that one. Both hands up in the air. Direct your soul to where it needs to be. We even got a woo from somebody. That's good. How do you do that? (laughs) Fill up on scripture. Listen to God-honoring music. If you don't listen to people who are praising God, but they're praising themselves, they're talking about how depressed they are, what do you think your soul is going to be fixated on? I'm all for good music. I've got some of my faves and some of you know who they are. But we need to be careful the way we let music, the way we let entertainment, the way we let media affect our soul. Some of you even need to, are at the point where you might need to enlist the help of a good Christian mental health care professional. And the good news is, is that there are, there are many who are in this community who are so kind and who are so gracious and they help Christians get back where they need to be with their soul. Got two more, meditate. I'm not talking about sit like Indian style and go home. I'm talking about that ongoing conversation in your head. Make it about reasons that you have to praise God. We don't have a whole lot of time tonight, but I want to get started on this one. 
If you've been to, how many, how, how many of you have been to a prayer lab? Okay, we've got some, okay. One exercise that we do during the prayer lab is that we do, we call it praising God from A to Z. We don't have time to go from A to Z tonight. But if you want to meditate on how great God is and find reasons to praise God, here's what I do. And here's what we teach. Make a list and just go A. I'm not going to write the whole alphabet. A, B, C, D, E. Sometimes, do you, any of y'all still have to sing the song in your head to remember what letter goes next? Yeah, I think that's just everybody does that. O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V. W, X, Y, and Z. I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? Okay, so here's, what, here, here's a great way to get your mind focused on God. You come up with a letter, for, a, a word that starts with a letter, each letter in the alphabet to describe how great God is. Can anybody give me an A word to describe how great God is? Amazing. So then you, 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 you think in your mind and you pray to God and, and tell him and thank him for being so amazing. A B word. Beautiful. Beautiful. What C word? Caring. I like that one. Caring. A D word. Delightful. E word. Everlasting, I like that one. All right, Reagan, we're the win there. I think it was Reagan. F word. Faithful. Kennedy for the win. All right. Faithful. What? We're going to finish with G. Give me a G. Good. Judah for the win on his birthday. God is good. So let me tell you, how do you think your soul is going to be? What condition is your soul going to be in by the time you get through the alphabet? You're going to be in a position where you're ready to praise God. So we need to meditate on all the reasons that we have to praise God. And finally, magnify. What did Mary say? She said, my soul magnify the Lord. Any of y'all when you were younger, did you burn leaves and stuff with magnifying glasses? It's like a great way to just be a pyromaniac. It's, it's, it's the beginning. It's the spark, you know. But, um, you know, you have something that's better than a magnifying glass. Do you know you have something more powerful than a magnifying glass? God has given our generation or your generation the biggest magnifying glass to ever exist. Do you know what it is? It's about this big. Right? It's about this big. It's your phone. It's your social media. It's your accounts. And what if we took our lives and instead of using our lives to magnify us, we used our lives to magnify God in the middle of our situations? You know what I've learned is that teenagers who magnify God, they have a special effect on other people that I think older people don't. Just honest, people like me don't. When a teenager is glorifying God and testifying to how great God is, people younger than them, they want to be like them. People older than them, when they see God working in younger people's lives, they get a little teared up. They get excited. God has given you a story. He's working in your life, and your life isn't perfect, but he, I'm, I'm Elizabeth right now to tell you, he is working. The question is, will you tell people that he's working in your life? Maybe tonight you just need to tell somebody who's right next to you here in a minute, tell somebody what God's doing in your life. Maybe some of you who have not followed Jesus in believer's baptism, 
need to be baptized. You know what's incredible is the last time we had that baptism service, we had friends and we had family all up here. And as people were being baptized, it was telling a story of how God is working in people's lives. If you need to be baptized, please talk to me afterwards. You know one of the greatest ways to magnify God, to give glory and honor to God? You know there's something that could happen tonight that I'm not joking, literally would start a rager in heaven would start a party in heaven. You know what the Bible says starts that party? When someone who is not saved, when someone who does not know Jesus, trusts that Jesus died for their sins and receives eternal life from him. You've got a story, you've got a situation. Have you invited Jesus into your situation? Have you asked Jesus to save you? Here in a minute, I'm gonna give you, we have, we, we, we're finishing on time. I have time to do this, I'm so excited. Here in a minute, here in a minute, I'm gonna give you the option to do one of two things. First, if you're not saved, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, to take a moment and to trust in Jesus as your savior. It doesn't take a magical combination of words. It's an attitude of your heart. You're trusting that when Jesus died for your sins, he took that penalty and made it possible for you to have new life that starts now and lasts forever. So I'm gonna give you the option, that if, the, the option that if you're not saved, that you can place your faith and trust in him tonight as we pray. The second is if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian and you're saved, that you take this opportunity for the next minute to come up with a list. You're not gonna make it to Z, but just in your mind, just praise God for who he is and start working your way through a list like that. God deserves our praise no matter what the situation. So bow your head and close your eyes, please. And we don't get many quiet moments, do we? Most of the time, our lives are so full of noise and screens and people that we don't have a moment to talk to God. So do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100%, that you're gonna walk out of those doors tonight, someone who's saved, that you have a home in heaven waiting for you, that if you died tonight, that you'd wake up in heaven. If you don't know that, in the quietness of this moment, I can't believe for you, I can't pray for you. But what we've learned and what I've learned is that it's helpful to turn your belief into a prayer so that you can go back to a moment where you placed your trust in Christ. So if you're not saved, if you don't know that you're saved and you wanna trust Jesus as your savior, I'm gonna give you a prayer that you can repeat in your heart after me and you have to mean it. It has to be a reflection of your heart. But I'm gonna give you this prayer that you can pray quietly in your heart after me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I know that there's no way that I can save myself from my sins. But I believe that when your son Jesus died on that cross, that he died for my sin and he took my place. And I'm trusting in Jesus to save me now and to save me to an eternity in heaven. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you prayed that prayer and you met it, meant it with your head bowed and eyes closed, I would ask you, please talk to me or talk to one of our leaders tonight. There's something we want to give you to help you get started in your new life with Jesus. For the rest of you, you know you're saved. You know that's taken care of. You know you're a child of God. When's the last time you thank God just for being who he is? So for the next minute, in the quietness of this moment, I want to give you the opportunity in your own words, in your own way, quietly, not out loud, just take a minute and praise God in your hearts. Let me pray for you. God, we sometimes are so busy and so interrupted, we don't have time to just love you. Our situation seems so intense that we forget that you're still in charge and that you're working in our lives. So God, I pray that tonight, each teenager, each, each leader here tonight, no matter what we feel pushing on us and what we feel pulling us and, 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 and the things that are causing us to lose sleep, God, that we will direct our soul to praise you tonight because you're worth it even during these times. You're worth us lifting up your name and glorifying you and loving you for who you are because you're the great God of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.